With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, uh, let's finish things up here as we normally do. Uh, getting some of the questions off of Twitter. Do some, some mailbag with the listeners. Uh, they sent us some really great questions this week. I, I want to get the first one out of the way uh, from at HitStickMaster2. It doesn't have a name. It just says HitStick or HitStick. HitStick, all right. Yeah. yeah, so he's asking, do you think the Cowboys were picking Sam Williams day two no matter what? Did that have any bearing on passing on a defender in round one? Yeah, I kind of felt like that once Dan Quinn went to Oxford, Mississippi for that pro day, and I, 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 I mean, that was – Everybody was talking about, oh, maybe third-round guy, third-round guy, third-round guy. And I'm like, man, no. Mm-mm. No, Dan, if they draft an offensive lineman in the first round, which they did, you knew that probably there was going to be a defender in the second round. And I knew Dan Quinn was going to go in there and fight for a guy. Yeah. You know, especially with them losing Randy Gregory the way they did. So does it, does it, did it affect? No, I don't think it did. I think they, I think they had a – it, you know, all all along, they had that guy in mind. Yeah, I think so. And I remember we were talking about it on the draft show, which Brian and I uh, did draft coverage for DallasCowboys.com and 105 through the fan. We were talking about it live in the moment leading up to that pick where it was like, I think they probably knew they were reaching a little bit where they picked him. And maybe sure. they maybe, maybe well, they didn't probably great. think they were going to get him coming back that's, around. That's exactly yeah. it. I think, yeah. th- I think they probably viewed him as like, this is a two, three guy. He's going to fall. We pick in the fifties and then we pick again yeah. at 88 or whatever. They this guy get will yeah. get picked at 70. Yeah. So if we want him, we got to get him now. Um, and so I think that, you know, they get, they left little clues for you about that in the pre-draft press conferences right. where Steven talked about, look, it's a little light in the first rounders and second rounders, right. but once we get deeper in the draft, the value gets it. So you knew they were going to have to reach a little bit, but I, I agree. I think they pretty much knew they were coming out yeah. of this draft with Sam Williams. Absolutely. And yep. so I think that that was a, once, a, once did Dan went to that workout, I felt like that yeah. was going to be the case. Once Dan went to the workout, once Randy Gregory left here, because I think if yeah. Randy Gregory's here, you may not have picked may him. Not. But, may not. But yeah. once Randy Gregory was gone, once Quinn was that, and Quinn talked about during rookie minicamp, like after he worked him out, he was like, man, he told them like, man, I sure would like this guy. Yeah. And, and the scouts, give a lot of latitude and respect to Dan, Dan Quinn's Quinn, opinion. Absolutely, yeah. And so I, I think once Dan Quinn said that, it was probably like, all right, this is a pretty good bet that, that he's going to be a cowboy. Uh, next question here. Uh, let's go to Mario. Mario says, can you guys predict which and how many defensive linemen make this roster? It's going to be a tough positional battle, and we can expect a surprise cut or two. So typically, well, ten, right? eight to ten, I yeah, think. It's, depending. it's usually six ends, four tackles. So, I mean, I could see him carrying as few as nine. So, I've, I've got uh, the list here. So, let's try and figure it out if it's eight to ten. Brian, we've got at the ends, I've got Dorrance Armstrong, Terrell Basham, Dante Fowler, Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams. So, you got five ends. Yeah. I mean, there are other guys on the roster, but we're sure. talking about realistically right now. 
Uh, you got five guys who I think are just pure tackles. Quentin Bohanna, Neville Gallimore, Tristan Hill, Oso Digizua, John Ridgeway, Chauncey Golston, or uh, John Ridgeway ends there. And then I think you've got hybrid guys who could play inside, outside. That's yeah. Golston and Watkins. Right. So when we look at that, what are we going to say? We're going to say, obviously, Demarcus Lawrence is here. We're going to say Sam Williams is here. Yep. Dorrance Armstrong. Yep. Do we want to say Sam Fowler is for sure, or Dante Fowler is for sure here? I think that Dante Fowler is going to show enough to maybe be a guy they keep, maybe as that last guy as a designated pass rusher. So, so we want to say he's on for I now? I would say he's okay, on. Okay, he's yeah. on. Uh, now, maybe he might be a guy because he's a vested veteran mm-hmm. that they cut and they know they're going to bring back. Yeah, kind that of a could thing, happen. You know, to, to, to save a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, this is the third time that he and Dan Quinn have partnered up, so Quinn yeah. clearly has an yeah, affinity for he him. Does. Uh, the last end there, Basham, do we want to come back to him or do we want to say he's gone? I think Basham might be gone. I Okay, we'll, we'll come back and see where we get the rest of it. Bohanna's here or no? I think he's here. Sixth rounder, okay. Neville Gallimore? Here. Here. Tristan Hill? That's going to be question. Flip, flip a coin, yeah. We'll come back to that. Odigizua here. Here. Ridgeway? Here. Here. Okay, so we're up to four ends, four tackles for sure. Golston's obviously here. Yep. That's nine. Is Carlos Watkins for sure here? See, that's the one I would kind of keep an eye on. So well. I think we're down to Basham, Hill, and Watkins. Yeah. That one more spot for them. And I would bet, just me personally, I think Watkins being flexible like he is. I think so too. And Parsons being a stand-up rusher who can act as a fifth rusher. I go. think that's the end of Basham and Hill. I do. Personally. I do. That. Yep. All right. Good question. Appreciate that, Mario. Uh, next question for you. And this is from uh, Ben Matthews. Who's the next player to get an extension? So... I think we both agree it's not going to be Dalton Schultz. No. So I, I don't think Dalton Schultz is going to get the deal that he wants here. The guys eligible for extensions now who are going to be like, you know, who are considered contributors, Tony Pollard, okay. Connor McGovern, Donovan Wilson, a sneaky one because it's only been two years in the league, but he was undrafted. So he's a restricted free agent. So after two years, you can sign an extension. That's Terrence Steele. Okay. And then if, if you don't think it's any of those guys, then the next extension would be after the season, and that's when you get into Lamb, Diggs, Gallimore, and Biotish. And so I'm going to say my low-key one, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a call right now. I'm going to say at some point in camp, they try and get a, a, a nice discount on a guy they're projecting out. I'm going to say they, they get steel done sometime. I, I like what you're doing because they probably feel like they can get way ahead of that yeah. right now. Now, now the you know, benefit they do have there, the only thing that would prevent it down a little bit is he is a restricted free agent. So they would have some control if right, he ran out of his contract. Right. But I could see them definitely. They got ahead of Lyle Collins when, when he was yeah, restricted that, free exactly. agent. Exactly, yeah. So I could see them going like, hey, let's cut a deal now. Let's get him paid. And and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. It worked great, obviously, with Tyron Smith. Didn't work so great in terms of trying to get ahead of Tyrone Crawford right. when they got his deal done. Right, but they were thinking about him as a three technique. Yeah. You know, that's what they were. Marinelli was thinking about him playing that that uh, coveted position in that front. Now, I know you've spoken about how you think, how highly they think of just the toughness and everything of else of Donovan Wilson. Do you yeah. think they'd try and get something done early, or do you think they just let it play out and, and revisit I think it they, I think that it, I think it maybe throws some chum in the water there and see if you can get that. I think he's I think he's a guy that they really like. I don't think he's a guy that plays particularly deep well, mm-hmm. but everything in front of him, the toughness, the tackling, that, that that linebacker position, that you know, hybrid player down in the box, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's a situation. I think that I think that you know, he's got to stay healthy though. He's one of those guys that's kind of been a little bit off and on with the health and stuff. Yeah. So I, I think and it's that, a lot of different things. It's yeah. not like one. It's nagging not injury. one thing. Yeah. It's always something kind of nagging with him. Yeah. Uh, Joe T asks us, he says, seemed like Dak held the ball the second half of last year because he didn't trust the receivers were open even when they were. Did you see it that way also? Brian, I, I, 
I personally, I know uh, you, I think you've got a little bit different perspective. I don't think it was so much. He doesn't trust their open right. last year. I think he was in his head about getting hit again yeah. because I think he'd just been so banged up. He had the, the broken ankle. Then he had the shoulder injury. Then he gets the calf strain. It's like, man, this is three injuries in eight weeks of play, basically yeah. eight weeks of time on the field. And I think you saw some like concern about getting hit. Hesitation. Like, like, yeah. Like I can't get knocked out again. And I think that was kind of in his head a little bit. That's why I think he missed them more than just, it was like, Oh, he doesn't see them up. I think there was just some hesitation and concern about where defenses were, especially when the line wasn't blocking well. And I, I hope that's something that's been fixed. Over I'd like to go season. back and count how many sacks he had near or like a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It seemed like to me, there were a lot of really like he was, if he would have just ran for four or five yards, there wouldn't have been a sack, but there was that little bit of hesitation there. Yeah, and I think if you want to see a play where I think you just – it doesn't seem like Dak, where it's like there's something off yeah. that Cole Holcomb interception in the game in Washington where they yeah. almost – where it's like, what are you what seeing? Are you, what are you, what are seeing? you yeah. doing? Like, this is, this is so unlike you. Uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking. Uh, oh, it's yeah, like, it's, it looked like he had some shorter sacks last year. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I mean, he, had, he was sacked 30 times for 144 yards, but you look back at like – when he was sacked 23 times in 2019, it was for more yardage. It was 151. So it does look like he was See, I, I felt like that Dak was just either like he was afraid to leave the pocket mm-hmm. or it was like he just was unsure that the guys were really, really open. Which it's it's obviously just summer practices and we'll get to see more. It's different once the pads come on and you're runs. worried about getting hit again. I he lo- he, he looked yeah. like he's moving better. I think he's going to run. I think we're going to see... To me, when I watch Dak Prescott play, he's at his absolute best. I've said this on the radio a bunch. When he's at his absolute best is when he's physically into the game, when he feels mm-hmm. a hit, when he feels a tackle, when he runs into a guy. Yeah. You know, when he's kind of like not really, you know, kind of tentative a little bit, I don't think he's as good a quarterback. But when he's in the flow of the game, like, okay, I, I, I see what's going on here. I feel like he's a better player. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, if, if and that's that can explain some of the frustrations we saw in the second half of the year is that if Dak Prescott needs to get physical to get the game going, yeah. and he's at a point where he's concerned that physicality might... Well, okay. and, and not out yeah. of... Like, I want to be clear. Not, not that not I think... Not running over people. Well, is it, but, well, no. You know, he's like... Going for yards, bumping into just people, breaking a tackle. Yeah. yeah, feeling a game. Yeah, and, and I think that I want to be clear that when I say he was concerned about getting hit, I don't think it was in a sense of like, oh, I don't want to get hurt. Like it was yeah. fear. I think it was more like I can't afford to be knocked out. And right. like we can't be without right. me. Right. And, and I think that that just caused him to get in his head a little bit the same way it did after Atlanta. Yeah. When he got sacked those, those tons of times yeah. by Adrian Claiborne, I think that got in his head a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, okay, next question here. Uh, Matthew Brown, can the new wide receivers coach, who is Robert Prince, uh, elevate the game of CD? We talked a lot about CD yeah. early on. How much uh, say does the wide receiver coach have in routes and formations being placed in the game plan? I know that they've always said it's a collaborative effort, and, right. and, and I, I, I'm curious to see how much of that Robert Prince has. 
I, I know that a big part of why Robert Prince here is the juice. Yep. And, and, and it's, it's trying to create a more alpha energy out of that room. Yep. And so I think, I think in, in your experience, do wide receiver coaches have a, a bigger stance? Oh, no, they the absolutely they do. And, you know, because they're the ones when the coordinator's talking about, you know, okay, what can we do down the red zone or what can mm-hmm. we do in, 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 you know, normal down and distance? You know, the receiver coach is the one saying, listen, put this guy in the game to run this route. You know, we were talking about option routes and stuff like that. You know, the receiver coach knows what his guys can do. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they're a big, big part of what the game plan is. I think they're a big, big part of the confidence, too, of the guys running the routes. Yeah. You know, and the way those routes are being taught. That notorious game in Philadelphia where people are like, it's fourth down, where's Amari Cooper? Why yeah. is he not on the field? That was a situation where yep. the receiver's coach was making the rotation and held him out. Yep, absolutely. And so, I, I mean, they, they definitely do have it, or at least did in the Jason Garrett era. And that was with Kellen Moore, obviously, as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Randall Walker says, are we seeing a shift in offensive philosophy with nonchalance towards receiver and focus on the offensive line? Instead of Team 40-burger, it seems like it's now play defense and control the time possession with the run instead of flinging the ball around for 400 yards. They don't run the ball well enough. No, they don't. They They don't have balance. Yeah. That's the problem is, you know, I think think the thing, if you really want to help Dak Prescott, have balance, you know? And I'm not saying be run heavy on first down and all that. But staying ahead of the chains is always a big thing with the Cowboys. Yep. You know, and that's something with with Dak, because then you could play into other things with him. Mm-hmm. You know, you put Dak in that second and 12, second and 13, whatever. That's a little bit, that's different for any quarterback. Right. But for Dak, I think it's it's painfully, it, it hurts him to have to deal with that stuff. So to me, I'm not saying run first down, run second down, and throw the ball in third down. I'm just saying... Have better balance. Try and get you know four, four and a half yards of carry, and stay ahead of the chains the best you can. Yeah, and I don't know that that whole obviously the team. Philadelphia has changed their their game yes, plan. Yes, Tennessee, Tennessee, that, Tennessee's are, always been a run heavy team. Yep. Look what they did in Philadelphia. They're losing because their quarterback couldn't throw the football. Yep. And what did they do? They went run heavy the second half. Read option. And that's what they did, yep. and they won games. Yep. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to adjust to your quarterback. And and I don't know that I don't know that the Cowboys ever it was like our philosophy is we we're going to score 40 points and outscore. Oh. I don't I don't know that that was their philosophy. I just when they picked CD Lamb, it was like this is the best player on the board and we're following the we can't pass up the sixth ranked player. Yeah. So I think a lot of what happened there for them was just that that was following their board and it just so happened that they were then loaded at receiver right. and it's a three receiver league. I don't think they ever consciously set out to like let's run and gun and shoot you know put yeah. fifty points up on the board. It was good for half the season last year though. And and even if that's the case, even if you wanted to say if if you want to score forty points a game and yeah. run and gun, you're gonna need to block. So I yeah. think investing in the offensive line is just critical for whatever they want to do on offense. If they want to run the ball, if they want to throw it around, whatever, they're gonna need to have the offensive line stabilized the, this year. The, the productivity of Dak and also the running backs is on this offensive line. And it's also on the play caller as well. Yeah, I agree. And that's why there's also a lot of pressure on the offensive line coach, yeah, exactly. uh, Joe Philbin. All right, last question here from uh, Brent Gann. Why is the front office sitting on all this cap space instead of using it to sign some linebacker or swing tackle or wide receiver depth? It's maddening. The team could easily get better if they spend even a little bit. Maybe we've talked about this. Maybe they reevaluate some things after the first week of camp and say, oh, we're, we're deficient here. I think Let's so, get yeah. I think so. I think part of the, the issue here is also, though, they're looking to roll cap space. Yeah. I, I think, you know, th- that's what they've well, done in the past. They, they've kept some cap space to roll it over to the next year. Some of these veterans could be unrealistic of what they're asking for right now, too. Yes, yes. You know, 
Anthony Barr, the linebacker, I was hearing some stuff about him wanting more than $11 million. Slow down, Anthony. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, again, uh, this is the Love the Star. Uh, you can find us on Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will be back again with you on Tuesday. We're doing these up until the season starts on on Fridays and Tuesdays. Uh, and then once the season starts, we're going to be bringing it to you three times a week. Uh, but, Brian, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it too, Bobby. Let's uh, we'll rally, get some more info, and come back and, and see everybody. Well, we'll do it again. Love the questions too, Bobby. Yeah, love yes, love those. Keep sending those in. Yeah. Uh, for Brian Bo- Broadus, I am Bobby Belt. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next time.